Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 52. Ramsey, we made it a full year. Why? I have no idea. Should, but seriously, we thank. should have yelled at this show of 39 so, episodes ago. Yeah, but in all seriousness, thank you for the listeners. Um, with that, we kind of want to reward you. This is going to be a special episode where we are going to give our first annual Root for Wisconsin award show. Kind of perfect timing with the Packers having a bye last week, not really having a whole lot to talk about from them over the last week. Some news we'll talk about throughout the show and towards the end. The Badgers were off last week after dropping the game to Minnesota. They did not get to play in the Big Ten Championship game, so nothing to talk about on that front either. anyways. So just a lot of Root for Wisconsin show. Should we Do we call them the Root Fours, the Rooties? Just, I don't know. We, we don't have the best name for award. We don't have like the Oscars, the Tonys, the Rudies, the Rudies, the Root Fours. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out at some point. That might be a next year thing yeah. to figure out. Let us know what you think. We should <laughs> sure. call this award show. Uh, but for now, it'll just be the Root for Wisconsin award show. And we're going to start off with like how we usually do. We're going to talk about how we are broadcasting from the Minya True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. We're going to talk some sponsorships here. We're going to talk about what we had rooted for, what we're going to give our weekly nuggie to. And from there, we're going to do our award show. So I guess with all that said, Ramsey, we might as well kick it off how we always do, talking about our sponsors and our partners, monkeyknifefight.com and the app. It, it, honestly, if you're not... If you're not on there, and we say this every week, but genuinely, you are missing out. They are trying to put money in your pocket. You're not playing against pros. You're not playing against a system. You're playing against yourself. Can you guess three players are going to score a touchdown in a game? Probably. I would hope so. You can so. probably do that. Can you predict or have a good idea of which quarterback in the game is going to throw for more passing yards, or which running back is going to have more receiving or rushing yards? Which one's going to have? Which receiver is going to have more yards? Can you do stuff like that? I would hope so. I think you can have a pretty good idea, even a guess. Play the contest, put money in your pocket. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Also, our friends over at Raise Energy, Rams. I'm not sure if you've been following along with Raise Energy. But last week, and late last week, early this week, they brought back some of their limited edition flavors, the Rainbow Skittles flavor and the White Peach. For 25 days of Raismus. 25 days of Raismus. Guess what? They're already gone. I so if you missed out, you just missed that's out. on you. You missed out again. But, as always, they've got plenty of stuff going on. So if you're looking to take advantage of some deals there, Follow along with them. Follow along with us. We'll talk. We talk more about them as the weeks go on. I still got a couple of cans of berries and cream in my berries fridge here. Cream. Did that on purpose. I love it. But 15% off any order. Code root 4 ROOT, number 4, on repsports.com. Get your favorite. Try a sample pack. It's all there. It's a lifestyle. Clothes, gear, sleeping supplements, pre-workout, energy drinks, snacks, Pancakes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. It's there. Basically, you could just live your entire day. You just could live on all on Ray's. Ray's products. And that's just the Ray's energy products. They have the whole rep sports family. Plenty of other stuff to get into. Like I said, code root 4 ROOT, number 4, 15% off any order. So with that, 
Ramsey, we have some stuff to talk about. I know that you're kind of excited for this week. We actually have something for you to talk about when we talk about what we rooted for in the last week, and that's sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics show your love for your team, whether you're on top of the world or at the bottom of a rebuild. Hashtag love on. Show that love for your team. 300-plus powered stores, fanatics.com. And Ramsey, I have an idea of what you rooted for, but I'm going to let you take the stage. See, you have an idea, but I'm going to go a different route. Oh, let's hear it. I root for the Lions. Okay. The okay. Lions taking out the Minnesota Vikings. That's good on a, some multiple fronts. Okay, let's hear it. Well, first off, as a Packer fan, that benefits us immensely. Almost. The Packers this can point, clinch the division this weekend. The division's locked up. It'll either be clinch this weekend, or, this next weekend. or next. It's one of the two. So Packers are going to be a playoff team with... Not to be whatever, kind of minimal effort. Yeah. I mean, they, they lost that one game in Minnesota. They you lost lose, in Kansas City. You lose games on the road. That happens. The Kansas City game, I think we can all kind of just cross out because... And really, the New Orleans game, too, is an anomaly at this point. And everyone, every team so far this season has had a game where you're like, what was that? Like, mm-hmm. that's not normal. So, I guess... Really, you're looking at it, and they're, all their losses they've had this year are reasonable losses. Yeah. Pretty much every year you're going to drop a game in the division, whoever it happens to be. If you can go 5-1 and one in your division, that's a pretty damn good year. Right. Yep. And I mean, you shoot for 3-3, three and three, maybe 4-2, and two, but 5-1 is a damn good year. Right. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I would think it looks pretty good at this point that now it's all about seeding, right? Mm-hmm. And Arizona has some tough games coming up. We have a few tough games coming up. So, but if they clinch the division at worst, they are a four seed, correct? That'd be correct. So as we call it, it's a it's t-shirts and hats game, caps and t-shirts game this weekend. So a couple things can happen for the Packers to win the North this weekend or at least clinch a playoff spot. Um, the easiest and potentially most likely is if the Vikings lose on Thursday night football to the Steelers, which very realistically could happen. That's kind of, especially without, without Adam Thielen, you don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to go yet, especially on a short week, kind of 50-50 there. I think that's my lock of the week. The Steelers? Vikings. Really? Yeah, the Vikings are a three-point favorite at home. Okay. That basically means it's a pick em, though. Correct. I would uh, I would pick the Vikings and to cover the three. That's right. my that's the Ramsey's radar for this week is that uh, the Vikings on Thursday night I think are going to come out and play well. Okay. So with that then, so if the if the Steelers somehow win in your eyes, or if they do take care of business with all the injuries and and whatnot too, Packers all they have to do is beat the Bears, which is not an easy task per se. You know, you're familiar with these division opponents. Right. You can slip up and drop a game to a team that you're clearly better than. It can happen. It probably won't. I don't I don't see that happen this coming week. We'll get into that later, but But that's what you're looking at. You can also clinch a playoff spot, I believe, if the Saints lose. And there's one other team that has to lose as well. But you can clinch a playoff spot in the second weekend of December. And that's a really nice thing to have as well, because once that playoff spot is clinched, 
if Aaron wants to get that toe fixed. Because at some point, the seating is going to be locked up. Right. And looking at Arizona's schedule, they do have Dallas left. I believe they have... I think they got one more dance with the Rams. They have the Rams this weekend. So there's some games that Arizona can drop. But I think every game that they're going to have pretty much going forward, I think they're not favorite this week. I think they're, I could take I a, think they're a three-point dog this weekend. This the weekend, the Rams... or Arizona's a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now at home. So really... If you believe in the age-old standard that you get three points just for being at home, they're a half-a-point dog in theory. Betting-wise, obviously, they're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite regardless. I I believe that opened at three. It very well could have. I think that's come down since, was it Monday or Tuesday? Regardless of the fact, there's going to be a point where Arizona is either going to lose and we're going to be able to clinch the number one seed or... We're going to drop a game or two coming down the stretch, and it's not going to matter anyways. Mm-hmm. So it might not be a terrible thing for us to set some starters, especially with... Well, here's let's go through the, the Cardinals' upcoming schedule. We've done this a couple of times, but you've got the Rams this week, which that's Monday Night Football. That could go either way. Rams are kind of thirsty for a better primetime performance than what they put out two weeks ago or three weeks ago. You've got the Lions, who right now that game, as of right now, is a 12-point favorite for Arizona. I would probably take the Lions to cover that. They've, yeah. they've been tight in every single game they've played this year. At least it seems Most that way. Games. They've, they've had a couple stinkers. but And how much is Dan Campbell? The, we thought that was going to be the dumpster fire of the year. It was up when, there. When they announced the Dan Campbell hire, mm-hmm. we're like, the guy comes in yelling about ripping off knees. Eating kneecaps. And we all looked at each other like, oh, boy. Yeah. But he is that team playing, man. They play tough every single week. They realistically, I mean, you look at the Lions. I'm just going to jump over here. You look at the Lions. I mean, they drop a heartbreaker on Thanksgiving Day to the Bears. Probably should have won that game. They lose with Tim Boyle playing on spot start duty to the Browns, 13-10. They could have won that game. They tied the Steelers. They did get shit canned by the Eagles. That that one is a stinker. Halloween Day, forty-four to six. You're gonna have that. Uh, besides that, they lose on a field goal to the Vikings the first go around. They lose on Justin Tucker's NFL record-setting field goal early on in the season on week three. I mean, really, you could justify the Lions probably being a four or five win team at this point. Yes, it, so there's about six really bad teams in the league right now. And the Lions are indeed one of them. See, I was just about to say, I don't think the Lions are should be in that same category with the Jets and the Jaguars and... The Texans. The Texans. I think the Lions are a step above that. And I do and I don't, because I don't think their roster is talented enough to be a spot above that, but they're playing better than those teams. I will give I you that. I think it is, though. You, you, have you watched Jacksonville really at all this year? Almost not at all. Like twice. I think I watched Jacksonville three or four times now. I watched them when they were the Thursday night game against was the Bengals. Yep. I watched them in the London game, and that's about been the about the extent of it. The Jacksonville roster, there is a whole lot of poop there. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's Trevor Lawrence just trying to bail water 
And I, you know, it's kind of sad that Trevor Lawrence ended up in Jacksonville because I don't really know if he's going to be able to overcome some of those teams' deficits at this point. See, I will say this for the Jacksonville: at least they they've got money to spend. Like they're not too too invested right now. Sure, that's uh. So there is positive. So anyway, but you look back at the Cardinals' schedule; they've got the Colts at home in Week 16. I would not be shocked. And that's on a Saturday. That's Christmas Day. I would not be shocked if the Colts go in there and just feed Jonathan Taylor because we know that the Cardinals aren't good against the run. Right. Jonathan Taylor could have a field day. That could be Colts by double digits, realistically. And that's kind of what we're getting at is... Then they've got the Cowboys in Dallas in Week 17. And that'll be almost a must-win for the Cowboys. That's going to be almost a must-win for the Colts. Like, where those teams are currently sitting in the playoff standings, those are games that you can't drop. Right. Like you have to win those games if you're the Cowboys and you're... And the thing with Arizona is younger team, they're probably going to have their playoff spot locked up at that point. Well, that, and you consider, I mean, as a whole, their roster is younger, but they are so veteran top-heavy, too, where... They're going to be on some thin legs at that point. And then they wrap the season up at home against Seattle, which, I mean, say what you will about Seattle. They play that division tough. That might be the worst roster in football right now. There is the Jets. There is the Giants. There's the Texans. Seattle is the 31st ranked offense and the 31st ranked defense. I would still think the Texans are the worst line roster. Like, the Texans are so bad. That's another one of our dumpster fire of the year candidates that we've talked about throughout the year. I think that if we're talking about it, though, if we're comparing you to the Texans, I think that's all we have to say. See, I, I'm just baffled by Seattle. I mean, defensively, whatever, they're awful. But offensively, you still have Russell Wilson, who did he he did miss some time. He's not healthy though. You have DK Metcalf, who's a head case. You have oh um, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, who's a speedster, who has missed some time. You haven't had a solid running back all year. I think you're on your fourth running back this year. Which but, whatever Baltimore's made it work, so I'm not going to write that as an excuse per se. But but that's how Seattle's gone though. They go they come and go based on if they have a running game or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I'm not trying to say it's an indictment on Russell Wilson because I don't think that is, but. Well, he missed some key stretches there too. He missed, what, four weeks? And sometimes it's just not your year. Yeah. And I think the whole Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson dynamic has worn thin. Mm-hmm. So one of those, if not both of those guys, I would assume are probably going to be out of there. Come February, February, March, March, April, draft time probably. Because that's the other issue with Seattle right now is they don't have a first-round pick. Right. So then, And they're going to be picking, I think as of right now, top. they're almost top 10 if they're not just on the outskirts. They're a four-win. They're a four-win team, I believe. They are a four-win team. So that has to be – that's a top-10 pick that they traded to the Jets for a – Box safety, who, who is now out too, and is going to be out the rest of the season, right? 
Yeah, no, it's it's really, I mean, as of right now, I think as the things shake out, I'm looking at a mock draft right now. Um, Seattle would be picking five, but that pick does go to the Jets, who would get Notre Dame safety, Kyle Hamilton, according to this mock draft. But that's not important. We'll get to that way down the road. Anyway, so that's your roof. That's a solid roof. I know I we were leaning towards, I was, gonna, I was trying to think you were going to talk some racing, some snowball derby. No, when the Detroit Lions get uh, one win for the year, I think they deserve a little bit of a shout-out just for the fact of no one ever wants to see a team go 0-16 again. Be 0-16-1 or 0-17 for the first but time But no one wants to see a zero in the win column for an entire season. See, I, 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 I'm going to go back on what I said earlier. I do think Detroit is better than 0-16-1. So I, I was really happy to get that win. I remember watching that Sunday and being, like, actually happy for them. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if they rattled off two or three more wins this year. No, not at all. And, you know, for what it is, Jared Goff, that last drive against the Vikings, that was a big boy drive. Like, was, that was, you had to go the length of the – you had 75 yards, one timeout. Yep. Yeah, it was a good drive. That's a that's a big boy drive. That's, that's what – you know, he's probably one of the most – overly paid or the most overpaid quarterbacks in the league. However, that's, that's a, that's a draft that the reason that Jeff Fisher drafted you with the Rams back in the, where they were still in St. Louis, I think at the time. Yeah. I mean, he had one year in St. Louis for the move to LA. Yikes. One or two. Yeah. Yikes. Either way. So yeah, just a little snowball derby. Um, believe Ty Majeski did finish top 10. Uh, yes. Finished just, I, I think the, he finished eighth behind Eric Jones, if I'm not mistaken. I had the running order up here a little bit ago. So, while Ramsey looks at that. Chandler Smith was your snowball derby champion from this past weekend. The Arkham Midwest Tour did represent pretty well in that race, too. So, the Wisconsin guys were hanging in there with some of these big boys across the country. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, snowball derby's always in a good measuring stick for where you are as a competitor. Yeah. Um, and so, again, local guy, Ty Majeski, winner last year, comes through with a top 10 run. It is, that's nothing to. No, I, he's literally racing guys who are racing in NASCAR. Yeah. Which proving once again that he should probably have a, a ride, but neither here nor there. Uh, my route four is going to come from the sport of baseball. Uh, just, in right at the deadline, so as you may or may not know, Ramsey, MLB is in a lockout right now. Good. With their collective bargaining agreements and the owners doing what they got to do and being poop bags, but that's another conversation. But right before the deadline, right before the lockout occurs and no more moves can be made until the new CBA starts, the Brewers make a trade 15 minutes before the deadline. And that is a huge trade for them. So let me let me set the scene for you. So the Brewers trade Jackie Bradley Jr., who had one of the worst offensive seasons for a Milwaukee Brewer ever, with some subpar. I mean, pretty good defense, but just never made the impact. I think he played in one of the playoff games as a pinch runner, and that was about it. And you trade two prospects who you did have in the lower part of the, your top thirty for Hunter Renfro, the baseball player from Boston. Wait, I thought he played uh, football. Different spelling. Oh, interesting. 
So with that move, you dump an awful contract to allow you to potentially spend some more money once the CBA does get agreed to. You dump a horrible contract. You dump two prospects, which is what it is. And you replace Avisel Garcia, who did sign with the Marlins prior to that CBA lockout then too. So you replace a bat with a better you replace a bat pretty evenly with Avisel Garcia and Hunter Renfro. You dump a terrible contract. So just a little shout out for the Brewers, a little little nugget there uh, prior to the CBA. So for us non baseball fans. Yes. Is this lockout gonna be figured out sooner than later or is this gonna this be This is gonna be messy. Okay. This is gonna be so a situation. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of what is going on with this lockout? Yeah, definitely. So the CBA, um, this is going to be the first official work stoppage in 25 plus years. Uh, the last one was 1994. The big uh, discrepancies here. Baseball probably has the worst players union. They have... We, you know, we talk about the NBA has probably the best players union. The NFL is probably somewhere in the middle. NHL is somewhere in the middle. Baseball's player union is garbage. Shocker, the sport that doesn't want, that wants to give all the powers to the owners in the league. Can't even have YouTube highlights. Right. That league, you mean? That league, yes. Yeah. So with that in mind, the owners are proposing... Just some hot garbage. I, I'm going to be honest. So, in general, as lockouts tend to go on, we saw this with the NBA, what, 10 years ago? Or give or take. Eight years ago. 2012. We saw this with the NFL 10 years ago. Almost exactly. As lockouts go on, fans usually actually end up signing with the owners, which is always baffling to me. Signing with the billions instead of the millions. It always kind of confuses me. Because I'm always almost always on team player, team athlete. So right now, there's some just, again, garbage things, which the one positive about baseball is you do have a lot of your guaranteed money, so your contract situation is usually pretty good. But the lower parts of contracts, your early contracts once you're, uh, you know, as a rookie coming up and in your first years of arbitration – are hot garbage to the players. Where you're seeing, when you see deals like um, Tatis Jr. signed last year, where he signed for 15 years and $300 million, whatever it comes out to, or whatever it was. Yeah, it was a huge you're deal. You're seeing these deals from players who have to get that money early and have to sign these extensions early to basically make the money that they, right, in the marketplace anyway, deserve. Because otherwise, if they're not signing these massive extensions, you're seeing exactly what happened to Aaron Judge with the Yankees, where his service time, he kept getting arbitration. He'd make a little bit more each year until they could no longer do that. And then he had to sign a short-term contract, which, again, he's kind of injury-prone, um, heavy strikeout numbers, so the number, but he's still a superstar in the league. The average baseball fan knows Aaron Judge. <laughs> and... He gets in a point where his contract situation, because of his service time, and he wasn't getting paid in those early years where he deserved an extension, kind of screwed him long term. He won't get to sign that long contract like some of these guys are doing right now. 
And a lot of these guys have learned that lesson because of his contract. Brewer's side, the baseball arbitration system is so weird where you see a guy like Josh Hader. Josh Hader is a three-time winner of the NL reliever of the year. He is one of the younger, you know, better younger talents. And for what he is worth, he's making pennies. So one thing I'd like to just hit on real quick. These guys are making so much money, though, outside of baseball that I don't know if we should really... It's not... Like, Dak Prescott last year was talking about making, like, $80 million on commercial deals. So a person like Aaron Judge, who's on TV for multiple places, don't feel bad for Aaron Judge because he's still making... I don't feel bad for Aaron Judge. He's still making money outside of baseball, though. Right, but, but... Ultimately, and this is where I was going to, going with this, you have guys who are very serviceable players, like a Josh Hader, who plays a very specific role. He's not out with the you know big endorsements. He has, like I think, one major one with a hunting outlet, an outdoors outlet. But when you get to these contract situations where they get to arbitration, the team basically gets to sit there with, with um, a thir- you know, three parties, and basically get to say, hey, here's why we don't want to pay you. And it just creates a really odd situation for these players to be in where Corbin Burns for the Brewers, the reigning Cy Young winner, is not going to make Cy Young Award winner money for the next five years unless he signs a massive extension, which he should. But the Brewers right now and baseball's ownership gets to hold him down for one reason or another, when they go to these arbitration hearings for these players and basically throw peanuts at them. Okay, so on the devil's advocate side, is that does that allow baseball to be... Does it allow small markets to be able to compete with larger markets, though? As a whole, I, I think it's beneficial. So good, then it's probably good for the sport, then. So the players are complaining because they're not making hundreds of millions. They're making just millions. Ultimately speaking, I mean, that's one of the many issues. Um, We're seeing some other pushback um, where the players want the universal DH so that you don't have pitchers batting. I fully get behind that. Um, I don't want to see my pitcher swinging a bat, let him throw the ball. We're seeing... The owners, I believe, are wanting extended play or uh, not extended playoffs, but uh, brought in playoffs, which I am a huge advocate against. That should also happen. Think so? Yes. If you have a playoff push from a team that is not, so if the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers in Wisconsin aren't playing in the playoffs, we're not going to watch the World Series. The in, average fan. In general, right? So it, the more eyes you have on the sport, the better it is overall. So if the Brewers have a playoff game, I might even tune in to said playoff game for the Brewers. I have before tuned in to Brewers playoff games. That's true. I have seen you do this. So it's a meaningful game. The more meaningful games that we can have, the better off it is. Just like this year, the Atlanta Braves, who just barely squeaked in, won a World Series... So if a team like that can win a World Series, how many other teams are hot at the end of the season that didn't make it in? That's fair. I, I will concede that. 
I do worry that they were they're trying to extend it too much. They're trying to expand to two extra teams, which would make seven on each side instead of five that's currently. So who would have been the seventh team in? I believe that would have been the Phillies and the Reds. Did they both have winning records? I'm pretty confident they both did. I don't know exactly off the top of my head. As long as we don't have a playoff team with a losing record, I'm fine with it. I will con- oh, that's that's my caveat. You get to be in as long as you have a winning record. That's what I, if I was the owners, that's what I'd say. Let's see. Cincinnati was 83 and 79, and Philadelphia would have been 82 and 80. Yeah, both winning records, you get in. All right. But so that's my report, just a quick little Brewers nugget. With that, we go to our weekly Tyler Hero Nugget of the Weeks, and I'm going to do the Patriots, specifically Mac Jones. Passing the ball three times on Monday Night Football, which, whatever, it was good enough to win. I want to be very clear in saying that. That's why this is not anything worse than just a quick, you know, just little head, quick noogie. But as a whole, and Aaron Rodgers pointed this out, and many people are thinking it. That is not a successful way to plan to win games, especially when you do believe in your young quarterback who can sling it. I go back to what I've said before. I said this about Jordan Love last week, and if you guys agreed or disagreed with me, I mean, it it doesn't change the fact of what I said. NFL coaches tell you exactly what they think about their quarterback by what plays they call. And NFL coaches tell you, other NFL coaches will tell you what they think of your quarterback by what defenses they run. And the Kansas City game, Andy Reid did not think much of Jordan Love. Just like Bill Belichick on Monday night, I thought that was Sunday night. Wow, this week's been weird. But Bill Belichick told you, I don't think Mac Jones' arm is good enough to throw in these conditions. Right. And. We've kind of been saying this about Mac Jones, and I'm sure if Justin was here, he had a different opinion on this. And maybe he will be, but as of right now, he's not. So the Mac Jones is a serviceable quarterback. I don't think Mac Jones will ever be anything more than what he is really now. Which and that's fine. And New England's the number one seed in the AFC. Are they really? Yeah. That's insane. And that's so, a very so much quiet one seed. You should fact check that for me. I'm going to look right now, but because I'm, I'm pretty confident they're the number one seed. Sure, as shit, nine and four. So, New England's the number one seed, and that defense is stellar. They have about three or four really good running backs, and Mac Jones just doesn't mess up, and that's really all it takes to win in a New England system. And I don't want to say Mac Jones is a system quarterback because I think that that's kind of a it's a lazy take. A it's a really lazy take because I don't think there are is such a thing as a system quarterback, with the I exception think, of Matt Castle and Alex Smith. Yes. However, <laughs> those guys both worked multiple places, though. Yeah, not so, very well, but they did. They they were serviceable at other places, and this is a conversation that we've had on here multiple times before of quarterbacks have ceilings. There are, are about eight or nine that don't. If you have a ceiling quarterback, you better have the rest of your team squared away. Right. 
kind of like we're seeing with New England now. The rest of that team is squared away. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback is good enough. And that's all it takes to win the league, right? Because, I mean, Mac Jones is really thrown to deck furniture. Like, this isn't, he doesn't, these aren't the Randy Can you Moss name Patriots. one Patriots receiver right now? Nikhil Harry. Okay. Very good. That's about where it ends, though. I mean, like, that, this is, um, they have a tight end. Their leading receiver, I have to click on his name. Kendrick Bourne is their leading receiver. Did he play at LSU? He played at East Washington. Oh, interesting. Not even close. Their second leading receiver is Jacoby Myers. He played at NC State. Nelson Aguilar is on this team. We all know him. He can't catch. But he's playing at USC. Or he played from USC. Uh, they do have Hunter Henry, so I will, the I will give that. Runner. Yes. Um, then they do have a multitude of running backs and John Smith, the other tight end. So he's literally throwing to deck furniture. Like this is not a. I will tip the cap though to. I agree, it's not good TV. Like that. Well, it's just even. It's not even good football. It's it's. You know, Aaron Rodgers talked about it on Pat McAfee's show where he's sitting here talking about how just to keep a defense honest, you got to throw one shot downfield. You know, he was two for three for 19 yards. The other thing about that is people are like, none of the quarterbacks are going to throw. There was a couple passes that Josh Allen had in that game where you go, that dude has a cannon. Like, Josh Allen is... He might be the most talented quarterback in the league. Super inconsistent, but when he's good, I don't know if there's a better quarterback in the league than Josh Allen right now. By the way, speaking of the Patriots receiver receiver group right now, I will give you a dollar if you can get within 10 yards of the leading receiver. How many yards he has right now? How many yards does Mac Jones have passing? Passing, Mac Jones has... Let me guess, 2,600. 2,800. 2,869. That's pretty good. So the leading receiver at 28, I would say, is probably 547. You're off. You don't win the dollar. More than you thought, 623. They have two guys above 600. So that's uh, Bourne and Myers, who also, by the way, for the record, do have passing yards as well. You know, I was going to say 600, but I thought that seemed high when Mac Jones only had 2,800 yards passing. So for the record, both their two leading receivers, um, Bourne has 623, Myers has 620, have both completed passes this year as well. Um, Jacoby Myers is two for two. For 45 yards. Did he play quarterback at Eastern Washington School for the Blind? I do not know. And Kendrick Bourne is one for one for 25 yards. Did he also play quarterback at NC State? He was one from Eastern Washington. Yeah, flipped around. Oh, flipped around. But also, I don't know. I'm just going to say they do. They both did. They both were playing quarterback at the respective schools. It's a possibility. So that, that's my nuggie. I was actually coming on here to prepare to bury the Badgers basketball team who in their first game, or not their first, their first Big Ten game of the year, 
uh, as the 22nd ranked team in the country, were down 46 to 25 at halftime. They come back and win. I believe it was 65-59. They have something cooking down there. 64-59. They have. There's something there. I. I we were watching them I think last week. What we had it on in the we studio. Did. And that team has, there's something there. I don't know if that's a national title contending team. Because to be honest, I haven't watched any college basketball yet, aside mm-hmm. from that Badger game. However, that Badger team, there's some pro talent on that team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, watch out for Bucky, I guess, coming up. Yeah, they had, I was reading an interesting article um, today about them, about how their offense, it runs so heavily. And we talked about this, I think we talked about this last week, about how they have Johnny Davis, who was on Team USA over the summer right. in the Under-19 World Cup. Um, how he had played, like how he is so ball, he's, not, he's clearly the best team player on their team. He is the dominant player, but the ball doesn't have to be dominant through him. And that's a trait of a really good player. I mean, that's... And... Uh, the Wisconsin State Journal and Madison.com uh, were doing their after-practice media availability with freshman guard Chucky Hepburn, who is one of the more touted re- recruits in this program's history. And Chucky Hepburn, and this is a quote, he said, our offense at times is give the ball to Johnny and get the F out of the way. So I was I was fully I was watching the first half in the studio. The Badgers were getting outshot by like twenty percent. I was coming on here to just dump on them, typical Wisconsin fashion. Big game on Big Ten Network tonight. Kickoff against uh, the Big Ten schedule. Playing at home at the Kohl Center, and just lay an egg. But they come back. They come back from over twenty down at one point. Chipped it away. Big win for Bucky. So not a noogie of the week. Ramsey, yours. I think my noogie of the week is going to go to people who are bashing on Anthony Davis. Why don't you give some background here quick? So Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, I believe it was... Let me just run together with the Boston game. So it was either Monday or Tuesday. Okay. They were both bashing on Anthony Davis on how he's not playing as a big man right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And how the Lakers are kind of floundering a little bit. And how it's Anthony Davis that's going to be the driving force on the team. And if the Lakers are going to be a decent team, they have to play better. Or Anthony Davis has to play better. Anthony Davis right now is averaging 24 and 12. Mm -hmm. Almost 25 points a game. About 12 rebounds a game. And they're bashing because he's not playing a traditional power forward slash center role. He's taken a lot of jump shots, which, to their credit, he hasn't necessarily shot the ball very well. I believe he's like 19% from three. So he's not shooting the ball incredibly well. However, we know Anthony Davis's history and how Anthony Davis isn't necessarily a play 82-game guy. Right. He's been known to have weird lingering injuries, and I would, at this point, almost rather not see Anthony Davis be bashing around because this Laker team will be a playoff team. And Big win for them last night, by the way. 
Right, and LeBron's played really well over the last few weeks here. I believe he for the last few games he's had like 34 points a game. Something like that, yeah. So LeBron's been playing really well. They're bashing on Anthony Davis, and it's warranted due to the fact they're expecting more of him. Mm-hmm. But we also have to remember that the goal for this team is not to be winning all these regular season games. This is the oldest roster in basketball. They're probably taking nights off. They've just got to get there. They just got to get to the playoffs. And for what it's worth, home court advantage for a veteran team isn't necessarily the most important thing. Like, obviously, you want to play at Staples if you can. Crypto. Not yet. Fair enough. You want to play at Staples if you can. But it's not the end of the world if you're not playing there right now. Or in, it's not the home home court advantage for the Lakers this year isn't going to be their biggest concern. Their biggest concern is that Phoenix has played been playing extremely well. Golden State looks to be back to a little bit of form. They have a really interesting mix of uh, young and veteran talent. That is an interesting team. You are correct in that. And even for what it's worth, the Phoenix Suns are a very interesting team as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff going on out west, and the season's early yet. So all these people kind of bet, and it's not just Chuck or Charles and Shaquille O'Neal that's bashing on them. There's a lot of media outlets that are kind of taking shots at Anthony Davis, and it, I just don't necessarily think that it, I think that's a very lazy take. That there's probably a little bit more to it than just Anthony Davis isn't being a big man enough. And, you know, you really think about it, just with that team specifically, I mean, you said it already, but they don't need him to be. Not right now, they don't. Save him for come playoff time, then he can bang around if he has to. Right, and I, he will, because he did in the bubble. Like, mm-hmm. we're just saying, we're, we forget that this LeBron-Anthony Davis combination won a title, what, 15 months ago? Like A little bit over that, but yeah. A little bit over a year and a half right around a year and a half ago. and Actually a little under that, probably closer to 13, 14, but yeah. So, but we forget that this team literally just won a ring. So let's not, don't, I, I don't think this team's going to win the title this year. I, I think they're probably the third or fourth best team in the West. Golden State, as of right now, is better. Phoenix is better. Probably Denver is probably better. And you still have to deal with the Clippers. So they're probably going to be the five or the six seed at this point. But, again, it's early. Let's try not – just let, leave Anthony Davis alone. He's fine. He's making it through the season. He's still putting, being, being very productive. So I guess that would be my nugget of the week because people bash For on Anthony Davis. For what it's worth, Anthony Davis is second on the Lakers in games played. Or third, technically. Um, actually, technically fourth. Behind Carmelo, Russ, Malik Monk. And that's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has played 24 of 25 games. Yeah. And he's averaging, like I said, what, 25 points a game? 24.1, 10 boards, and 3 assists, which whatever. Right, but I'm going to guess that there's still a little bit of a gelling process. Anytime LeBron redoes a roster like this, usually it is a... 
I don't know, 25 to 30 games before they start getting the feel for playing with each other. And it might even be longer than that because LeBron's been injured for most of the season to start. Well, you just have the Lakers are a really interesting team in themselves, too. And I know that we're both LeBron fans, so we pay a little bit more attention. And we can kind of transition this into our kind of our what the Bucks segment here before we do get into the award show. But the Lakers are kind of like the Warriors, like you were saying, where they have a lot of older. I mean, they are the oldest roster, but they do have a good mix of young talent mixed in, too. Yeah, I mean, I that Laker team, if they are healthy come playoffs, and that's kind of the big F, right? At this point in LeBron's career, he gets dinged up a little bit more than he has in the past. Anthony Davis is known for not necessarily being the healthiest player at times. But that's why they went and got Russell Westbrook. Like That's why they went and got a guy who can on a random Tuesday night in February, we'll give you 34 to 40 minutes a game. So this team, I believe, is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good now, and it's probably not going to look much better anytime soon. But be patient with them. They'll get it figured out. I can almost guarantee that. Well, that's why you get a guy like Melo, who's an experienced scorer. Yeah. You get a guy like Malik Monk, who can be a spark plug at times. Yep. They're going to be fine. Uh, the Bucks, kind of like I said, that same boat. Uh, right now, they're kind of cooled off a little bit here. Um, they actually just took, lost their lead to Miami tonight. Uh, they're down 86-90, but they're, they're doing okay. It's... So with that, why don't we just transition right into the award show? And guess who is joining us? For the award show? For the award show. From Zoom, Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy? Life is good. Uh, just got done with a, a little bit of dad duties. Had a little bit of a, an emergency school board meeting for my wife. So uh, I appreciate you guys uh, taking care of the openings for uh, for the for the crew here and uh, ready to get started and, and get going. So Look with Justin making us do all the work, he's just going for the easy award show part. I think that's all it really was. You know, I'm going to be honest, though. I don't think this is going to be easy. So I guess the way we're going to do this is we don't have the awards picked out yet. We are going to go award by award and do a quick nomination, give your campaign speech, go over them, a little bit of best of without me having to do a whole lot of editing work, talk about the best things that we've talked about throughout the last 12 months, the last 52 weeks straight, and we'll try to come upon an agreement on each of these awards. So with that, buckle up. This could get very fun. We start off with, as we always, you know, we always start off with something. Usually we start off positive here, but we're going to start with, off with something negative. This is the biggest noogie. And we are going to get to the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year Award a little later. <laughs> that is going to be its own award. So the way that I decided that we were going to do this... Um, and that no one questioned me on, so just you guys are going to have to buckle up. I did give you two days to, to argue your points here of the award. So the first one is the Biggest Noogie. Uh, biggest Noogie is going to be something that's just kind of like, it's not quite dumpster fire, but it's just kind of an annoyance of the year. Just kind of like Tyler Hero. He's an annoyance. So the Biggest mm-hmm. Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week Award, or of the Year Award, if I may, I'm going to make my campaign speech here. 
for Wisconsin Badger athletics as a whole. Wisconsin mm. Badgers programs across the board, they did win a national championship game, and that being the women's hockey team, which is almost a formality. However, on the biggest stages, they've kind of got that Wisconsin curse going and kind of the stinkiest of the curses where they just tend to kind of poop the bed. The Badger football team has been awful at times. They folded in their biggest moments, and we see some – we don't know what's behind closed doors right now, but we know that there's some issues with the tra- – you know, people just constantly transferring out. Same thing with the Badger basketball program coming into this season. I know Ramsey Knight kind of spoke about how much fun they have been to watch this year, but we talk mm-hmm. about all the off-season drama that followed the – the seniors leaving, with the exception of Brad Davison. We talk about the volleyball team kind of collapsing in their big moment last year and having collapsed at different parts of this year, and that's college sports. But the Badger athletic program as a whole just gets kind of a little bit of a noogie for me. Okay. I think that's a great take, Eric. Um, you know, they the end of last year's basketball, the, the football season from last year, um, it, it's, it's, it was all trending down. Um, you know, the, the football team ended up beating a Wake Forest team in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, and not only that, uh, to, to cap your, your kind of deal is the football team breaks the trophy in the, in the bowl game, in the celebration. So that, that kind of spells that whole season. Uh, it is concerning with the transfers uh, that f- for the football team coming out in through the start, through the middle, and now through the end of the year, um, some things are going to have to change. Uh, Paul Chris could probably use a noogie for, for how he's handled things in his generic ways. Um, and the whole guard situation with Alondo Tucker and how that ended. And, and maybe there was an upheaval in Alondo Tucker trying to weasel his way into his first head coaching job. And, and all the guys um, that really weren't going pro uh, had an opportunity to come back and decided not to and transfer elsewhere. Um, so the end of last year as a whole really felt bad. Um, the basketball team really is kind of making it feel good uh, with with a great start at now eight and one uh, with a huge comeback win as we speak tonight. Uh, what a game. Um, but going to win the Maui Invitational is huge. Um, this Badger team looks like they could, uh, you know, they were preseason pick 10th uh, and, and they look like they could really contend for a title. So, that might be the the one real positive outside of the women's hockey team uh, to get uh, Badgers athletic off of your noogie. And I, I'm going to say, uh, you know, they obviously the Badgers football team did make a bowl. They will play in the Las Vegas Bowl December 30th against Arizona State. Potential for the the hashtag Karma revenge game, the Joel Stiley revenge game from like yeah. eight years ago, but. So that that's my nugget. Do you guys have do you guys have a different contender here? I was gonna say Conor McGregor. I have. Okay, let's hear your guys. Okay. Conor McGregor has fought he fought twice this past year and got his head kicked in by Dustin Poirier twice. 
and then top it all off, he snaps his leg. And all the talking and all the shit that he pulls and the stunts that Conor McGregor goes through just to get wrecked by Dustin Poirier twice. TKO both times. Right. I mean, that's... Well, the second one was... Injury stoppage, but still technically a TKO. I mean, it's not Dustin Poirier's fault. His leg folded in half. No, 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 no. I totally agree. Uh, he was losing that fight, uh, just to point. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, that fight wasn't going to be close. I think Dustin Poirier no. was probably walking away at that second round, probably. Yeah, but uh, I, w- I I would say uh, to your point, uh, and this really has nothing nothing to do with uh, Conor McGregor's um, issues over the year, uh, but since his injury. He just tweeted something out. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he has he has really skipped leg day, and he has juiced himself up to 190 pounds. He's done a before and after picture. If you guys can jump on his Twitter page and, and look at it, it, it is aust- uh, astounding how how different he looks uh, as a human being. So. Uh, th- that's just one thing I wanted to add to that part of the conversation. All right, Justin, your noogie of the year. Oh my God. My noogie of the year. I think I truly think this one is going to win. This was, this was close to my dumpster fire of the year. My noogie of the year is you, Eric. Oh, Jesus. Your, your insistence on saying that spring training baseball matters. <laughs> that somebody out there, actually, the average fan should actually care about spring training baseball with split squads down in Arizona that nobody watches and maybe 3,000 people that are, you know, Rich in Arizona have nothing better to do and retired. Go watch these games. That is, that was close to my dumpster of the fire nominee. All right. Well, what I would say, and the reason that you're wrong on that is that the listenership has been on my side of this one. And we did end up having a brewer segment and for what it's worth. And Ramsey, I talked about the, uh, lockout situation. Spring training is still going to happen this year, and it could potentially be a lot more minor leaguers this year, depending on how this lockout shakes out. People are still going to go. They're still going to tune in for parts of these games. It's a nice little, it's a nice little daytime watching for you. Look of greener pastures, quite literally. Oh my God, you're still defending this. So it's terrible. All that said. All right. With that, so we have Conor McGregor, we have me for some terrible reason, and we have Wisconsin <laughs> Athletics. I w- we kind of need a neutral third party here, but how I, are we just going? I'm with Justin. Votes? 
Ah, uh, man. I think we gotta give it to Eric. <laughs> the stream, spring Eric training is baseball the is the of the year. That's a that's I a pretty bad thing. I come up with this show. We, you know what? I, I'm gonna counter. I'm gonna make one <laughs> final kind of counter pitch. Is that we do have a segment or an award for the coldest take coming up? So if you guys want to give me that one, we can give you that one too. Oh man. Yeah, I come up you with this show. The of the year. I come you, up with this show. <laughs> I invite you guys you into my home. You are the Tyler hero of oh this show. God. You are the Tyler hero of the pushing so spring training spring baseball. baseball. <laughs> I hate both of you. Get two weeks vacation. Wants to go to Phoenix Congrats. for one of them to watch spring training baseball. Eric. Who was that? You who was that pitcher are... you were talking about? <laughs> Corbin Burns, the Cy Young winner. Corbin Burns. The, the inaugural Tyler Hero Doogie of the Year. You are the winner. We should get him a trophy. I think we should. I hate both. Or a Tyler Hero <laughs> jersey, maybe. I hate both. Of you. We yes, you should every time we record, you should have to wear a Tyler Hero jersey. Absolutely not. <laughs> Might have to get him for the studio though. Oh my oh, god, I hate you guys. Anyway, I'm gonna go on eBay right now. Let's see if I find one. <laughs> all right, that's awesome. Well, now that my feelings are hurt, <laughs> all right. You so, should be proud. You won the first award, right? It's good club. <clears throat> so, I guess we'll transition here to the coldest take award, <laughs> and I'm kind of expecting you guys to go off on each other a little bit because I know you guys have sparred quite a bit throughout the year. Me and Justin? Yeah. About what? Yeah. Just uh, in general. A couple, there's I been a couple exactly discussions. I know exactly where this is going. However, I am going to throw my one of my takes under the bus here for my coldest take. Spring train baseball? No. Oh. Do you guys remember when we said the Bucks <laughs> sucked last playoffs and we talked about how they need to rebuild yep. everything and then they went and won a championship? That's my cold take. Yep. That's my freezing cold I take. I think we were all on that though, weren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, we were. Oh, but I'm just saying, as a whole, I think that is our show's coldest take of the year. It, to be right. fair with okay. that, they were not playing necessarily well when those takes were floating around. And no, we are a reactionary show week by week on what we see. So I'm not going to throw us under the bus completely. And like I've always said before, anytime I have a really strong opinion on something especially when it comes to Wisconsin sports related, I hope I'm wrong. Do you know what I mean? Right. You can either be right or happy. Right. And that's fine. And it worked out. I would agree with you. That's probably, that was probably the worst take at that point. I know Justin's going to have something else, but we can. I've got a good one. All right, Justin, let's hear it. I am. I am attacking you, Ramsey. That's fine. Oh, here we go. My cold, my, my coldest take. Reverts back to our our draft party in April when Ramsey said that Mac Jones, the number he's he's the quarterback for the number one team in the AFC was gonna be a huge bust. He was absolutely wrong. He's absolutely wrong then, he's absolutely wrong today. He's the he's only got to throw three passes in a game to win, guys. That's all he's got to do. He's that damn good. He's going to be the best quarterback to come out of that class, and he's proven it. 
right now. Okay, I do got a, just a caveat here, Justin. Before before Ramsey has a rebuttal, I want to ask: When you say best, are you saying the most talented, or are you saying the most successful? Successful. Okay. That's the only thing. That's the only thing the NFL's judged on. Is if you if you look at Tom Brady, if you look at Tom Brady, there's not one thing that you would say that he does like his arm strength isn't the best in the NFL. His legs aren't the best in the NFL, right? His pocket presence isn't even the best in the NFL. What? He's just the smartest damn quarterback in the NFL. He runs the best offense in the NFL. He knows how to do it. He's, he's a damn good quarterback, but like his Singular attributes aren't the best in the NFL. Like, I don't, I don't Tom know. Tom Brady that is the best pre-snap quarterback of probably all time. Absolutely, it was. Him I don't disagree Manning. with that, but I'm talking about physical attributes. And I would say that Tom Brady, I believe, Pro Football Focus was putting out, or one of the sports science shows, was talking that Tom Brady actually has the highest velocity throws on average in the league this year. Well, yeah, maybe one to five yards to Gronkowski, but like he doesn't have the strongest arm. Are, are we sure? There's no way. I mean, he wins, all the, he wins all the Super Bowls. Old, there's no way. He wins all the Super Bowls. Right. I mean, that would have to be right. he has probably the strongest arm. No. Did you see him throw on. that Lombardi that trophy? Might be the, that might be the worst take now. Did you see him throw it. that Lombardi trophy from one boat to the other? <laughs> I haven't seen Matt Jones do that yet. <laughs> hey, it's coming. It's so coming, Ramsey. It's I, coming. I'll go back to this. The whole Matt Jones conversation. I would say Mac Jones landed in the best spot. And I, if everyone remembers a couple weeks ago, I kind of came back on that and I'm like, might have been wrong on Mac Jones a little bit. However, I don't think, and I, I could say this fairly confidently. If you put Mac Jones in any, or not even any, if you put Mac Jones in Jacksonville or you put Mac Jones in the New York Jets offense, I don't think, or I know that it's not going to be what he's doing now. And I think we'd all probably agree with that. Trevor Lawrence went to the team. that The Jacksonville Jaguars might be the dumpster fire of the year. Like, that's... That team is a pile of hot steam and garbage. The Jets aren't far behind. Well, and yep. for what it's worth, I think that Mac Jones does something really, really well that is a non-looked-at thing in the NFL. It, well, I shouldn't say non-looked-at. Yeah, he's at. Tom Brady. Well, okay. We, that's one of the rules on the show is that we don't compare him to Tom Brady. <laughs> the, yeah, so Matt Jones what Matt Jones does really well and that probably doesn't get enough talk is that Matt Jones is pretty good pre-snap and Matt Jones is also really good at not making mistakes he's had a few this year but that's a rookie you can always expect a rookie to have mistakes so I don't think Matt Jones will never be 
obviously Aaron Rodgers. He'll never be Patrick Mahomes. He'll never be Josh Allen for that matter of where you watch these guys and you go, wow, that is an amazing athlete doing something that there is 10 people in the world that can do. But Mac Jones is going to be good enough to win games. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback because at some point you're going to have to make plays and you can't just throw the ball three times. Like at Mm. some point you're going to have to make plays that you're going to have, (coughs) you're going to have to be a defense somewhere. So I, when I, I, I find it, I find it difficult because I make this argument now. And he coming off of a game where he throws three passes. I, I, He's been absolutely stellar up to this past week's game. Well, he has what? Uh, he's out of the, his, what's he playing now? 14 games. I believe eight of them. He's had a passer rating over a hundred. So, I mean, yep. that alone is something that is incredibly difficult to do. He's played extremely well. And he obviously doesn't have top flight offensive weapons either. Yeah, we went through his his receiving core uh, pretty in depth early in the show, Justin. So it's just one of those things. I, 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 I was, got his stats right here. He, he's he's thrown for twenty eight hundred yards. We did this already. Uh, um, yeah, we oh, literally yeah. went through this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I would say the awesome, the one I mean. number with Mac Jones that I don't know if you'll have it in front of you, Justin, if you're looking at it, but he, a few weeks ago, had one of the shortest airtime passes in the league. I believe it was under five yards is the majority of his passes. So, like I said, I think that and one thing I'm going to preach about Mac Jones, too, is Mac Jones knows what Mac Jones is. And being self-aware is probably one of the biggest benefits that he has. Like, Baker Mayfield isn't self-aware. Baker Mayfield doesn't know when to step away. Baker Mayfield doesn't know. He doesn't realize he's not quite as good of an athlete as he thinks he is. Baker Mayfield isn't, doesn't have quite the arm that he thinks he does. And... Mac Jones knows that, though. Mac Jones knows what he is. Mac Jones knows, obviously, that he's a coachable kid. He had a lot of time to reflect on draft night. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would not have drafted Mac Jones above Trevor Lawrence. I, don't, I guess at this point, Trey Lance hasn't played yet, and Zach Wilson is doing Zach Wilson things. But... <laughs> I still don't. Terrible. I, I don't think he was the most talented quarterback. I still don't think he's the most talented quarterback. You might be right, though. He that kid might go on, you know, a ten-year stretch in New England of losing, you know, four games a year. Yeah. So if I he's going to be the most successful. I, 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 and I might I, I may concede that he may be the most successful because he walked into the best situation. But he was the right guy for that situation. Oh, one hundred percent. He was the right pick. He was the right pick for that organization. Yeah, but you can't tell me though that New England would have rather had Trevor Lawrence. Well, sure. So, but it, I don't was I, he, I don't know that. But I don't know that New England is what New England is today with Trevor Lawrence. Like 
they change their offensive philosophy if they have Trevor Lawrence. This guy is perfect for what they're doing, perfect for what they're built for. And what New England did in the offseason to build around their draft pick, knowing that they were going to probably be in, in a shot for him, they did a great job. No, they really did. They walked into a great situation. And, you know, obviously New England for the better part of the last two decades has had one of the best offensive lines of football. The offensive line of New England mm-hmm. is, they don't, New England doesn't make mistakes. And I guess that's probably the biggest credit to Josh McDaniels. And I, you could even probably credit some of that to Mac Jones at this point of <coughs> they don't mess up. Like you have to beat them. And you have to make yes. a play. So I'm really curious to watch some of these playoff games coming up here where, you know, you're going to have a Patrick Mahomes, Mac Jones matchup, or you're going to have even Josh Allen going to Foxborough in a few weeks. I, I think we can all agree. I think an exciting one. I think an exciting one for the future of, of what football is would be a Mac Jones versus Joey Burrow. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, that's the one thing you can say about the AFC right now. There's a lot of really young, really talented quarterbacks who are probably going to be there a while. Yeah, because Joe Burrow's the real deal. Justin Herbert in the, N- in the NFC is the opposite, and it's a bunch of old dudes in the NFC. <laughs> a bunch of old dudes in Kyler Murray. So, if that's the coolest take of the year, I will accept that. However, I think. Uh, the buck talk is probably a little colder than that. Well, you, you have to nominate one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear what's your coldest take of the year. I, I would go with, I agree with the box. I don't think that there was a, we were really hard on them on this show. We were, we bashed yeah. the bucks for about uh, three weeks in uh, March. Yeah. I'm totally going to go with the bucks too. I think that's an easy choice. I think that's unanimous all the way around. We were, Brutal to the Bucks. It was every show for about what six weeks of us just well, bashing the Bucks. We'd have one good at show. One, for at, one, at one point, we were getting rid of Giannis. We were firing Budenholzer and trading Giannis. At one point, <laughs> I think I'm, gonna, I'm looking back at it as we speak right now. I mean, we talked. That's we talked positives about them. We talked about how they limped in the playoffs. We talked about their their playoff path. We literally had a, we had an episode called the Bucks Noogie episode. That was episode 27. Episode 26 was called Bucks suck. <laughs> so we had we were trading two, Giannis for, we had two episodes in a row where we talked for four first round draft picks, June 11th, June 18th. We talked just ill of the Bucks. Because that would have been the playoff series with the Nets, correct? Yes. So that was probably after those. They had, what, a 50-point loss in that series? Something like yeah. that. That was probably after one of those games. But I would have to. I so here's two, episode it? 26. The, the description I typed up for the episode. So 26, we've been officially at this for half a year. Eric, Justin, and Ramsey talk about the Bucks struggling against the Nets. The first place Milwaukee Brewers in breaking news about the Packers quarterback situation. Episode 18 was a Bucks Noogie episode. Said, man, oh man, what an awful turn of events for the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Recorded prior to the great Game 6 win, the Bucks laid an egg in Game 5, and Eric, Justin, and Ramsey have a lot to say about the Bucks' futility. That's two episodes in a row where we dumped on them hard, and then they end up winning a championship, which, by the way, we did have a special episode for. Go back and check that out. Um, that was the Bucks' championship episode. Go ahead, like I said, check it out. And, yeah, so we talked quite a bit about that. Um, so yeah, I think that's our coldest take of the year. Eric, you're cleaning up at the awards so far this year. I'd nominate this one. Like this was this was on me. This was just us. You're look- two and zero so far. Yeah. Woohoo. I think we should do a positive <laughs> one here. And what was our best root for? Our biggest root for? So best moment of the year. And I'm gonna let Justin go first on this one. Well, I think that one's easy. I think you just flipped the course. You know, the but we hadn't done it in 50 years in the Bucks turn around and, and, and we're off on a, a, uh, a, what the Packers lost a tough loss where Kevin King gives up a, a, a big pass and then you flip it and we end the season and, and go uh, with the Bucks winning the championship. That's the, that's the biggest flip of the year. You haven't done that in 50 years. I don't know how this award could be anything else. I'll counter it. I, I'm just going to put this out there as a moment that you and I got to experience in person. And for the record, I also was going to nominate the Bucks championship. I think it's a pretty easy slam dunk here. I'm going to tug at your heartstrings a little bit, though, Justin. And I'm going to talk about the final game of the football season that you and I both coached at and that Cody touchdown. It just It was ah. one of those that warms your heart. It's something that's made for Sports Center, and just a special yeah. moment. I want to give that one more shout out here on the show as we kind of wrap up for the year. Um, you know, if I had, if I would make my vote, I'd also lean Bucks Championship, but just a nomination yeah. or uh, an honorable mention here for best moment. I appreciate to, that. I, I thought you would, Ramsey. I, again, I can't follow that up with anything. You go. You have value. to go. Mine would be Tyson Fury. I love Tyson Fury. Big win over Deontay yeah. Wilder a few weeks ago. And the big dude just sticks to talk. And I, I'm there for it. And the difference between Tyson Fury talk and Conor McGregor talk is that Tyson Fury doesn't lose or break his leg. So, in my opinion, that was my biggest moment. That's my, uh, I love Tyson Fury fights. Those are my favorite thing. Just a big old dude just, just fucking hammering other dudes. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could agree, but there's no way I'm, uh, you can vote against the Bucks in the, in this one. That's the biggest group. I am voting against the Bucks, but that's that's just, you're going to lose this one. It's yeah. two to three. So that's fine. On a on a side note, my second biggest group four would have been when uh, uh, my my final year coaching basketball this year. Uh, my star player signs a scholarship and, and is uh, receiving financial aid to go to college because she plays a game. So super proud of her, super proud of that. Uh, put her name up on a banner um, and, and uh, all the accomplishments that she's made. So that would be my second biggest root for. I don't know if I have the second biggest one. I mean, we had some incredible sports moments here in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, we, as always, we get it. We really are blessed as a state where even when we can have, you know, some monumental collapses as we talked about earlier, it's still a fun ride to get there. 
So all that matters is putting trophies in the case. I know, Ramsey, I knew you were about to dial that up, but... All that matters. We did put a trophy in the case, so I guess, like I said, I got to go Bucks. And just the fun that was Bucks and Six. The fact that it actually was Bucks and Six. Uh, I like <coughs> dedicate a whole episode to this. Go back and check it out if you haven't already. Or go listen to it again. We'll wait. Don't do it now, though. Not right now. Wait we'll finish this episode. But yeah, listen to the last yeah. few awards coming up. But, and then... Yeah. So uh, I'm going to coin flip this one, guys. Do you want to go positive first, or do you want to go to the most anticipated one? Well, we have to go positive and then the most anticipated one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a shoe in, though, for one of these, and I don't, I don't think that... This is the Root for Wisconsin MVP. And this, you can take this any way you want. Um, maybe the most entertaining person in the Root for Wisconsin show, maybe the most kind of just something that you have to watch week in, week out, something that we've you've had the most fun talking about. But who is your MVP for the last year? Ramsey, you can go first. I'm going to nominate Eric for the Root for Wisconsin MVP this year. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you – obviously you guys don't see it, but Eric puts a lot of time and effort into this after hours. You know, I'll leave here at – 10, 10 o'clock at night, and he'll sit down and start ending out episodes and stuff. So, really, I mean, me and Justin are just two dipshits that just Talking. yell at each other on the mic for oh. 40 minutes a yeah. day. I, I'll second that. Uh, all the hard work that Eric does put into this, uh, he, he, we couldn't do this show without <laughs> no. you, Eric. So, uh, 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 I'm not going to get you a Christmas gift, so this is, this is pretty much what you're going to get out of me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you so much, Eric. I think, I think you do a great job. You deserve every accolade you get out of this show. So, uh, thanks, Eric. Look, you win the MVP and, and the Nugget of the Year. You know, guys, I wasn't chasing the hug. I was going to go with Giannis, but just talking about how wins a championship, dips Oreos in milk, really one of the f- most fun people to look and watch, but, uh, I'm not going to argue with you guys on that one. So I, I'm all voted. <laughs> But no, I would I would say Giannis. I I have enjoyed. He's made Wisconsin sports, and really become a personality of his own. Well, and really just been one thing you can always say about Giannis is that he is a hundred percent genuine. Right. There's not. Um, you see with the athletes where there's a little bit like conceited to them. Giannis isn't that. Giannis is just a kid playing basketball and that's, you know, we didn't talk about this last week, yeah. but it, it when, when he had that game winning shot, what two weeks, like last week, I think it was late last week. He talked about how he can't just rely on his athleticism in his old age. Dude's 26. Like he's your age, Ramsey. I don't know. He's a, a year older than me, but the dude's 26 and talk about how he can't rely on his athleticism in his old age. But he's just the most entertaining. Like, I just genuinely, I mean, he had a video last week or earlier this week on Instagram talking about how, you know, with all the players and interacting with his guys, and he talks about how his retirement plan is his teammates' playing card or his trading cards. He's gonna retire on like these limited edition Pat Connaughton cards and <laughs> Drew Holiday cards. Every press conference he does, he's just a walking soundbite. It's awesome. So you know, it's a walking sound, but who's that? He, he Aaron is a Rogers. treasure. Aaron Rodgers is also a walking sound, but I was, 
I mean, literally. <laughs> the complete opposite way, though. Literally an MVP himself this last year, reigning NFL MVP. Just the Pat, his outlet of the Pat McAfee show is arguably the most entertaining hour of radio in a week. My favorite part no about, doubt about it. the Pat McAfee show is that he doesn't do those interviews with local guys. Oh, not even close. And that's my favorite part about it, that he refused to do interviews in the state because, for reasons. But no, he is so... It is so entertaining to watch that show every week where you've got Pat, who is blazed out of his mind on vitamins. You've got AJ Hawk trying to be somewhat serious of, of of the whole group. You've got Ty Schmidt with stars in his eyes talking to his favorite player. You've got all the guys on the show, you know, Boston Connor, Gumpy, all those guys on the show, just just a kind of a better group of dipshits than us. And, or a, uh, a more popular outlet than us. Pretty much everyone's better than we are. That's not false. Yeah. But, but to go on that show, Aaron Rodgers chooses to go on that show with a punter who is stoned out of his guard a bunch of dipshits, and A.J. Hawk. And it is the most entertaining hour of, of the week. Can we talk about my favorite A.J. Hawk moment when he flipped off the camera after a sack? They talk about that every week on the show. It's, it's, it makes me so happy. And his cover-up story of, yeah, I was, I was, it was a joke with the coach. He's sitting there just right on TV camera. Right to the main camera, too. And Fox has to apologize. I'm pretty certain that was a Packers-Lions game. And if I'm not mistaken, it might have even been the one of the Charles Woodson picture that's hanging in my living room where he had the pick six and is diving in the end zone on the front of the Sports Illustrated cover. Do you, Does AJ have that framed up somewhere in his house? He has to, right? Right, you have to. So if we were going to interview Jay Hawk, that's my first question. Hey, remember that time you flipped off the camera on national TV? Is that framed somewhere in your house? And if not, how can I send you one? How can I send you one? Uh, The mail. But, so with that, I guess we have the most... It was not the same game. It was a retro game against the Rams. I'm watching the video clip right now. This is hilarious. Right against the the then St. Louis Rams at Lambeau Field, wearing the retro Powerball jersey. I believe it's the last year the Brown Helmets. And he was fined $10,000 for that. What a time to be alive. 2011. Was that the best $10,000 he ever spent? you got to imagine so. Right? right? Like, yeah, I think that's probably the best ten grand he's ever spent. October twenty or October 16th, 2011. What a day. What a day just, in history. You just had to be there. <laughs> so with that, I think our most anticipated award, the one that the people have been waiting for, and that is the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year Award. A lot of nominees for this one. Um, I think as the the namesake of the award, I think we have to mention him in this conversation. Kevin King, for as long as he has been a Green Bay Packer, minus maybe his first year, has been the bane of Packer fans' existence to the point where they believe, rightfully so at times, that the team is better when he is not playing. And he is wasting our money 
as a team, six million dollars. Six million dollar contract that we paid him, yeah. that we paid him this year. Show up for how many games? What to show up for less than half the season. It's fucking con. He's making like a million dollars game right now. And he is our second best option technically as a cornerback. In reality, he's probably fourth. I, he might be fifth nowadays. But he is on. He opened the season as the second best cornerback on the depth chart. Do you think the other defensive backs looked at them and like, dude, like what? They had to have, right? Like, I mean, they stand up for. I mean, obviously they do the right things in the media and stuff like that. But they have to look at that and just be like, this is bullshit. You think Jair Alexander's agent, who is he's trying to get his client a a big extension as you know with his first year option coming up. He's just looking at you. Pay that dude six million dollars? Are you joking? You're sitting here getting burned by Scotty Miller in the damn NFC Championship game, and gets burned by Mike Evans in the first possession of that game, and then after Matt Lafleur makes a questionable at best decision to kick a field goal, <laughs> you get the third down stop on a four and out or three and out. You get the third down stop. Nope. Friggin' Pass interference on Kevin King because he's friggin' mugging Mike Evans across the middle. That jersey is still stretched out somewhere on Lambo's third. <laughs> like, just grabbed a handful. A pass that wasn't even close. No. It was way over the head. Like, either way, it's a first down, whether it's holding or pass interference. I mean, it hadn't been called all game. So, a kind of a questionable call on the referee side of it, too, but definitely a penalty. You can't grab the undershirt and almost rip it off the guy like it's Hulk Hogan taking off his shirt before a match. At that point, isn't it just better if you just let him complete it? I mean, it's game over either way. It's a I first suppose. down. But you don't grab the jersey. And then tug it. Like, to, it's one thing if you grab it first. Didn't let go. You're trying to give him like an ultimate wedgie. Yeah, just. I just. I mean, like I said, we have so many other nominees. But that's a year where you look back at how good that Packers offense was. You look at what Tampa Bay did to Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and you can't help but think that that's the one that got away. You look at the Seattle one, which we don't talk about. We don't talk about that. And ultimately, it probably would be the, the dumpster fire of the Packers' existence, because maybe the 98 Super Bowl against the Broncos. You could probably put those 1A, 1B. But you had such an elite team... And you just, it's the one that got away. You know, this last one might have been above the 2014 game. The one against Tampa Bay, that might have been. You were at Lambeau. You got that going for you. Right. And you, it's close. Yeah. I just, it, it, it irks me to this day. If just, the, the one where he's. 2014 he's, or. Both of them, but just the Kevin King and. And everyone, you know, he does just enough to, he's like that crappy ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever, does just enough for you to be like, oh, maybe it'll work this time. He's like herpes, just can't ever get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. And I will never, I mean, just the image of him, I mean, the the Buccaneers go down the field in that first drive, could not get a stop on third down. And Tom Brady airs one up to Mike Evans, and Kevin King jumps after the balls in his freaking hands in the end zone. Mike Evans is almost doing a Lambo leap, and Kevin King just jumped. Just fell over. <laughs> I swear to God. And, and the fact that at the time, given, <laughs> given my history of interactions with Kevin King, 
it wasn't until the second touchdown that I could be angry about it outwardly. <laughs> and watching him get burned by a backup wide receiver who had no business playing in that game. I, I think he's still on the team. Right. But who had no business making a big spot in the, or in the NFC Championship game. He's like the fifth receiver on their depth chart. He's the fifth receiver on their depth chart now, and that's with friggin' Antonio Brown suspended. I'm not even 100% sure if he's on. I mean, I'm sure he is. But I'm not even 100% sure how many catches he has for the year. I'm sure. Antonio he, Brown is a national treasure. I am sure he that Scotty Miller this year. <laughs> Is probably under 300 yards receiving for the year. I think he has one. I'm going to look at this right now. I think I was, I'm going to lose. I, my I mind. believe it's like one reception. I wouldn't even. I don't know exactly if that's the case, but I wouldn't even doubt it. That's the the sad thing about all this is I wouldn't even doubt it. It's um, he's not. He doesn't really play like that's who this guy is. He just kind of he's there. Scotty Miller in 2021 has, are you joking? He's played in five games this year. He has two receptions on four targets for 11 fucking yards. And that guy burned Kevin King at halftime of the NFC Championship game. So you're saying that there's a decent chance that I could also burn Kevin King. I wouldn't rule it out. Strap up the cleats. Five friggin' games. I think if I could get open on Kevin Kane, the Packers would give me one of the million dollars that he they give him. Like I think they'd have to. Yeah. Right? That, that, that'd be Owen, He is right? literally the last receiver on this team. Ronald Jones has more receiving yards. Brandon Perriman. I'd say I've Brashad Perriman. My bad. Brashad Perriman has more receiving yards in three games than Scotty Miller does. And that's the dude who toasted us with a spot in the Super Bowl on the line. And he's what, 5'6? Five, 5'9, five, 174 pounds from Bowling Green. He's younger than both of us. I'm he's annoyed. Way now. Younger I'm, than me. I, I'm actually angry now. I think everyone's younger than you, Justin. <laughs> like, I was waiting. Like, this is like the second time we could have did that part. Like, and uh, has flown more. This guy has flown more. You know what he did? He he flew, he flew right past Kevin King because he sucks. I'm still angry. What do you guys got for dumpster? I mean, we have we could look at the Houston Texans. We have so many other ones to go through. What do you guys got? Uh, Ramsey? <laughs> anything? I don't think I'm, I'm mad now. I don't think I have anything on top of Kevin King. And that's I was talking about the shoe in earlier. As much as I would like to. Dumpster fire and some Baker Mayfield maybe, but even Baker you can like be like, he's injured. You can't really you know he's trying to tough it out. He's injured. They've lost like their top three receivers of the year. Yeah, yeah. I've got one. Right. I've got one, and this and I'm gonna flip, and this might be, and I'm gonna be honest. This might be a close second, and this one's gonna this one's gonna touch at you too, Eric. All right. Oh I'm gonna now, I'm gonna put out there Adam Schefter. Oh yes. I am equally mad about this. <laughs> the the whole reporting he went through a three month stretch there where his reporting was absurd. 
and not accurate. And he created the whole Aaron Rodgers situation that was not accurate, uh, which, you know, uh, when you're talking about an elite quarterback, you're chasing a story uh, and you're making assumptions uh, up and you're promoting those assumptions, uh, even with how a trade uh, is almost done. Um, this guy is very close, very, very close to Kevin King, right? In, in my estimation. Can we give Paul Christ one too? Just you certainly can. Just basically based on that uh, Minnesota game. Oh, that, that end. Oh, yes. Yes. I think that yes. probably, I don't think that one should win. Because they are what seven and four, eight, eight, eight and four. four. So they have a winning record. So I don't necessarily think Paul Chris should be the dumpster fire of the year. But when you look at where this team should have been, if you look at that defense, there's NFL players throughout. There's probably four or five NFL players on that defense right now. Throughout, and you right. know that the offensive line has at least. One or two. One or two, and you know that... Um, You've got a 17-year-old running back? That's an NFL it. player. I mean... <laughs> I had to throw it out there. And uh, Barry Alvarez is... Barry Alvarez's grandson, grandson. One of the best tight ends in the nation. So And a five-star recruit, which, which by the way, I, I read something about this day, too, and I want to... I want to see what ends up happening with Graham Mertz and his journey here at Wisconsin or wherever he ends up going, because there, there have been... Circulated rumors that apparently have been kind of washed down today uh, about him potentially transferring. Uh, those were kind of dismissed by Wisconsin State Journal, so I want to go on record saying that. But for all the crap that we give Graham Mertz and, and really looking at I do think it's a lot of it on the coaching staff because the kid was one of the top recruited quarterbacks in the country. I mean, Alabama wanted him. Ohio State wanted it. I don't think everyone could be that wrong on one player. So I'd even kind of go as far to say that maybe it is Paul Chris and the coaching staff that didn't let him develop. Well, I think and they don't know is. how to develop a quarterback. I think they don't know how to develop offensive skill positions outside of running back. Like Those receivers aren't ever in the right space. They don't run crisp routes? They don't run crisp routes. They, if it wasn't for that defense being, in my opinion top three or four in the country, that that team would get blown out every single week. They can't move the ball. So at what point do we go, hey, you know, maybe it's Paul Chris that's the issue, but no, we're going to give him an extension as well. Like I said, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think he should be dumpster fire of the year, but he, he deserves to be nominated. He deserves to get the invite. Probably could have been Nuggie of the Year. You won the MVP. <laughs> You're fine. You know I had to, though, right? Because I did not. No, you won, you won the MVP. You're Fair fine. Enough. Fair enough. You don't Fair get enough. a complaint anymore. Okay. Fair enough. And you get a Tyler Hero Nuggie jersey. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, Adam Schefter is a good nominee. I... I could go on and on about that again. I don't think we need to. I think Justin did a pretty good job of hitting that home. Um, 
I think the most I think the part that bothers me the most about the Adam Schefter one is just the fact that we know as a whole that this isn't the first time he's stirred something up that he had no business reporting. Uh, when you look back at the JPP incident with the finger, literally tweeting medical records. Um, and the thing that I think the thing that bails him out is that he's right more often than he's wrong. I mean, you don't really see him being wrong too often. I know you guys don't agree. I do think that the reporting on Aaron Rodgers, I don't think is a thousand percent not real. I think there was some truth to that. It, I don't, and I'm sure there's going to be a book about it and after he's retired and Aaron's retired, and I'm sure there's going to be a book about the offseason that we just had with Aaron. But I, I don't think that I would give Adam the benefit of the doubt that that's just not straight out of his ass. He might say it is now, but that could also be a source being very upset that some of that stuff got leaked or... Well, the thing, the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that when shit hit the fan and Aaron basically comes out, denies the reports finally, and says, you know, basically that it was a matter of him either possibly retiring and, you know, he did want more say and he wanted, some, you know, the culture of the locker room being different than what people think it is. And just kind of airing his grievances. I, you know, there was legitimately some conversation, I think, that was had between him and the front office. And I, I do think at times it was probably messy. But I think the, the aspect, like I said, it was a matter of retirement versus not playing and retirement versus all these other transgressions and things that we saw that got reported to the point where Adam Schefter is on Dan Patrick literally saying that he didn't have a source. That it was hearsay and rumors and speculation based on other team activity. I think that's the part that gets me the most is that, yeah. and I, I'm not even going to be the guy who you know feels bad for the draft picks who their star got shine or their star shine got taken away from them on draft night. Cause when the draft starts, you stop talking about Aaron Rodgers. You start talking about Trevor Lawrence. You start talking about Travis Etienne and all these other picks. You start talking about them, and, and the focus for the weekend does become these guys for that weekend. It did go pretty quickly back to Aaron Rodgers. And really, I think Russell Wilson owes Aaron Rodgers a solid because we were talking about how toxic that situation was for a while to the point where he was potentially being traded and being shopped around. And that one seemed pretty legitimate, and no one really came out and said that was false. See, and, you know, honestly, though, I, like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not saying that everything was true. I think that there was probably some, there, there's probably a lot more of the story that we actually don't know. Oh, I'm sure. And there's probably a good portion of it that we'll never know. Because it's easy, it's just for Adam Schefter to be the bad guy, right? I, I would I know he went on Dan Padgett and say he didn't have a source. I would guess that that's because the source probably isn't. I, I still think where there was smoke, there was a little bit of fire. The source might not have been 100% accurate, but I do think there was more to it than what we've let on at this point. Well, I think we can, I mean, Adam Schefter is the one who ends up getting the brunt of it. But I do think just entirely how it was reported, where it Ooh, was... That clown from Milwaukee, too. Bill Bre Michaels. Bill Michaels. 
And Bill Michaels contributed <laughs> to it. <laughs> That's the singer from Poison. I know he's a stallion. Rock of love. But Bill Michaels contributing to the, the mess that was this offseason. Um, all these other insiders who... <laughs> yeah, that was good. Hey, Brett Michaels. But Bill Michaels really kind of tipped it off. Don't you mean Shawn Michaels? Sure. The heartbreak kid? Sure. But yeah, I mean, the clown from Milwaukee, the... <laughs> just really, like, again, how that whole thing just really sh- kind of broke down and, and all these... All these so-called Big J journalists who were grasping at straws trying to get new information and just how much of it turned out to be fake and how much, how much again, you know, as, as so many people get to point out now, it's the people that we always give a microphone to, like Jermichael Finley's of the world. And I like J. Mike. I've met him a couple times. Good enough dude to talk to. But why, why is it that every time shit goes south with the Packers, we're giving this guy a mic? Or yeah. Crabtree. Or uh, what's what's his nuts? TJ Lang. Like all these guys coming coming out of the woodwork to Well, in defense of Crabtree Lang, they're usually pretty positive and they're very real about it. It always seems that for every Jermichael Finley bad take out there, you'll get about four or five guys who'll come out of the woodwork and say, No, that's bullshit. It just kind of goes back to what yeah. we said, though, with uh, local media not being great in the area. Because there's no real go-to guy that you can go, like a Packers insider that knows exactly what's going on all the time, right? Well, the, even Rob Demovsky kind of had the wool over his eyes a little bit with, with teaming up with Schefter and kind of correlating these reports that we don't really exactly know what will happen. And I think one day we will find out. I do think that this is going to go public in some capacity down the road, whether that be Mark Murphy writing a book down the road or Gudekins uh. writing a book or, or somebody. Somebody's going to write a book somewhere, and then there will be a second book about why they were wrong. you slog through a Mark Murphy book? Not really. No. I would rather stab myself in the neck. God, Mark Murphy's probably the most boring person on the planet. Definitely. That dude who goes up to the podium, I want to take a nap. Like, I would rather do anything else than listen to him. You know, they'll read an autobiography from him. Can you imagine that dumpster fight? That would be dumpster fight of the year. If and when that book comes out? If, if and when that book comes out, I'm going to shit all over it till the end of time. Will you read it, though? Absolutely not. Will you buy it to literally shit on it? I, you know, if there's enough viewership support, I will buy one, and I, I'll drop a deuce right on it. I have Facebook Live. I don't think I'll drop a deuce. <laughs> that is not good. Good. Uh, no, don't do that. No, no deuce droppings. One book, Ron Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys have to record it though? So I mean, you want to play rock paper scissors uh, on that one? <laughs> I am. I, I will be on Zoom. <laughs> That's even worse. Justin just sitting there watching. Uh, I, can watching. The, I don't get to see you guys. I, can set the, I don't get to see you guys. I can set the camera on a tripod and turn away. Justin's just sitting there. On <laughs> Zoom, let's go. <laughs> you fuckers. Give me I ain't the, doing it. 
Uh, so are we, are we pretty unanimous here going Kevin King for the actual Kevin King dumpster fire of the year? Or are, we, are we pretty good yeah, with Kevin King? Easy. That's easy, Kevin King. We kind of have to, right? The inaugural one at least has to be him. I mean, like I said, yeah. we could point to the Houston Texans and just how that franchise has gone down the crapper. and Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien and and the pastor in the front office. and How does Bill O'Brien not been linked to one of these college jobs? I think he has he been has. starting to get a couple... He has, he, uh, and he might be a. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a brand new college job that just opened up that he might be. You know, Oregon's a good job. Oregon, Oregon's is, uh, That's it, it. Oregon's a bit of a weird uh, situation. Like um, they've lost their last two coaches now to Florida schools. Um, they have had a, since Chip Kelly left after, I, I think he was there for seasons. Um, they, they have had a, a pretty big turnover of coaches there. Um, and now, uh, surprise, surprise, one of the, uh, candidates to go to Oregon is none other than Chip Kelly. So. Um, I'd be on board with that. Is that Papa? Is that Papa Phil though pulling strings? Like, was Phil might not thrilled with how the program's being run? And <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know that you could say that it's less than le- less money or 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 about money because I mean, there's not a school out there that has more money or more backing than Oregon. Um, they have caught themselves with Willie Tager to uh, Mario Cristobal now, both leaving for uh, Florida jobs, uh, Florida State and, and South or in, uh, Miami. Miami. Um, so the U. In Miami, Miami is is now turning the tide with their their new um, hospital that they have on campus that is funding them. They recently. Uh, reported a $400 million profit off of the hospital that they just built wow. there, um, that they are going to um, reinvest into the athletics program. Um, so that's that's probably the biggest reason. Uh, $8 million to live in South Florida doesn't really hurt. Um, that Mario Cristobal goes back, uh, it's obviously his alma mater, and, you know, but yeah, the but coaching turnover at Oregon is alarming, and um, it makes you wonder what's actually going on and, and how much it is. Uh, Phil Knight is a problem. Uh, there's another school that recently had a problem like this until this um, booster passed away. Uh, you might be familiar with T. Boone Pickens at Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy has been had been rumored to leave Oklahoma State multiple occasions because of how overbearing T. Boom Pickens was. Um, so uh, that could be a problem up in Oregon, and and you know uh, it was a problem for Chip Kelly, but obviously Chip Kelly hasn't found success elsewhere, so he might be going back. I disagree with that. Chip Kelly was. Chip Kelly got a bad rap in the NFL. He was a lot better than people give him credit for. You think so? 
we've actually had this conversation a couple of years back when the Eagles won that Super Bowl. Just when you really think about how much of that roster was actually constructed by Chip Kelly, and he never really got to see it pay out. He was there for what two years? I think it was I think it was a little less than that. I think he got fired mid season, didn't he? His second year, didn't he take him to a playoff? His first year, yeah, I think they were a ten and six team. Was that with Wentz? Chip Kelly was at. This only has okay. So he was at Philadelphia from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen. Had one year. Had one year with the Forty Niners, then back to UCLA. UCLA. Although. So here's something a little odd, and this is just um, – I think this is probably someone got in here and hasn't been corrected is uh, some his Wikipedia page lists him as the coach of UCLA, but it does show him as the coach of Oregon, and it has all the Oregon Ducks colors and indicates that he is the Oregon coach. Is that, is that breaking news? Could be. Let me, let me can maybe confirm here. That could be breaking news on this show. It is not officially so. breaking news from what I can see, but Wikipedia does tend to change before these guys move. Yeah, it's not official right now. It's still kind of being talked about, but there's a lot of sites that are putting him as one of the favorites, if not the favorite. But I, I, I just think someone messed with it. No one's adjusted it back. Do you just want to break it as breaking news? Let's Adam Schefter this thing. Breaking news. <laughs> Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly told UCLA to go fuck themselves. And... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, in the NFL, he did win the NFC East his, fresh, his first year. 2013, uh, they were the NFC East champs. i got to find the record that he had overall. What do you think the biggest reason that the coaching turnover is happening at Oregon, Ramsey? I don't, it doesn't quite make, like, to me, Oregon is a top, at, at bare minimum, a top 15 job in America. So why would so many coaches in such a short span be leaving there? Before you answer, I, I found his record. So Chip Kelly was ten and six his first two years. Boom, and then was six and nine before he got fired before the last game. So that's what twenty six and uh, twenty six and twenty one. Yeah, but there were things. There were things underneath the like, like he was coaching them like a college team. Like the players didn't like him. Well, the, was, the main thing is the trade for Shady like McCoy. That. Trading away Shady McCoy for Kiko Alonso. Um, there was allegations of racial issues. Um, trading Nick Foles away from the team and going back to Sam Bradford. So there, there was issues. Don't get me wrong. There was issues, but... Uh, there was, I mean, Ramsey is, I, I do think Ramsey is right here that, so they did go 2-14 and 14 as the Niners did. So we got fired after one year there. So 10-6, 10-6, 20, uh, 26, and 21, then 2-28, and, oh, math is a bitch. 
14 plus 21, so 35, 28 and 35 as a whole. That Niners gig, though, when he got there, that was right yeah, after. Yeah, they were terrible. They were really bad. Like that's. So, uh, Justin, to answer your question from a second ago, uh, Oregon is a top 15 job that expects to be a top five job, but you can only get top 15 recruits. And that's what college football in 2021 is pretty much about who your coach is and how good they can recruit. And that's why you see people like Lincoln Riley going to USC and you see um, dude from Brian Kelly. Kelly. I was just going to say Chip. I'm like, it's not Chip Kelly. Um, Brian Kelly going down there. That was hilarious, but that should have been a negative too. That should have been mentioned. But you have to have five-star guys to compete with Alabama. And really, there's only two or three coaches at this point that have even been competitive against Alabama. And Oregon at this point is getting top eight draft classes, not top three to actually be there. So I'm going to guess the expectation in Oregon is unrealistically high due to the fact of the recruits that they can actually get there right now. Yeah. See, now I would... I would back off of that argument um, per se. because Yes, because Alabama is making the playoff every year. But, like, that school is not playing Alabama in conference. Um, they have a legitimate shot to make the playoff every year just by how weak their conference is. Uh, like, right. Okay. To recruit right. that... And when and when you talk about that, now you're talking about you're talking about a one game situation. So realistically, all you have to do is be a better in game coach. But you're make not. better adjustments. No and one, you're not. No one's a better. I, I totally get it, but you and, know what I'm saying, like. But Brian Kelly told you everything you need to know about where college football is today. When Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, because we can all agree Notre Dame's a top ten job, right? It's up there. It's a top 12 job for sure. He left a top 12 job for LSU because he can get a higher quality player coming into LSU than he can get in Notre Dame. And he left Notre Dame knowing farewell that if he happened to get into the college football playoff, that they were going to get smashed by one of those SEC teams. Kind of the same thing you're talking about of of Oregon where they're not going to get the top recruits. They're going to get right. top 15 recruits. And you're going to be good, but the expectation at Notre Dame and the expectation at Oregon now, and it's kind of not a realistic expectation, is you have impatient boosters that are expecting a national title when you're never going to get a top three recruiting class over Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. Like Those teams are going to out-recruit you. And that's just kind of the nature of where college football is in 2021. However, I think with where stuff is going, I think we're going to see even out a little bit. I think that USC is going to be a power out West. I think Oregon, they will get the coach right eventually. And we are going to see them be back to prominence. I would assume shortly Uh, Texas eventually is going to get their coach right. 
and that program's going to turn around. So I think that the days of it just being an Alabama show are closer to an end than they have been recently. It's just a matter of we need to get to a point where players are going to be able to get paid enough and with the transfer portal that everyone's going to get paid. Does that make sense? And when that totally happens, I think it's going to even stuff out a little bit. I think it already has. I just think that we haven't quite seen it because it's not been... It hasn't come to fruition. It hasn't yet. come to fruition all the way through. So I think we're already seeing that, even I guess you would say with Cincinnati and Oklahoma State and Baylor and even Notre Dame and some of these other schools that were in conversation to be a playoff team over the last weekend, you saw it kind of evening out a little bit. And it just hmm. happened to be, it, it's going to happen. It's going to even out. And I think that there's going to be, you're still going to have your big dogs, but I think the talent gap is going to shrink a little bit. So speaking of, I mean, we look at the college football playoff where I think all three of us were wrong on who ended up getting in. Actually, I think Justin might have had this right because I think he did predict Alabama. But so we end up Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. How do you think the playoff committee did? They got it. If it was me, I would have oh, voted oh. for Baylor over Cincinnati. But I don't. Cincinnati is Cincinnati, I guess. I I would say that they got it right with the teams, wrong with the seedings. All right, let's hear it, Justin. Uh, I, I think you can look at it, and I think you can make a, a flat-out argument. And if you go game by game by game, um, and you compare two schools, who has uh, a better win, Cincinnati or Georgia? Probably Cincinnati, for being honest. It's definitely Cincinnati. The the. Their best win is the number five team. You know, uh, Georgia's best win is Kentucky, who, in all hindsight, is a good team at nine and three and number eighteen in the country. But they don't have a landmark win, and um, they they have really walked through uh, the SEC East, which was. By all accounts, pretty weak. Um, do so. so I guess. So, I, do we actually think Cincinnati is the fourth best team in the country? I, I mean, is that an actual? Is that actual? Like, do we actually think? Oh, when you look at Cincinnati, you watch them play. You're like, oh yeah, it's the fourth best team in the country. Well, I think when you when you talk about going into Notre Dame's place and walloping them the way that they wallop them, yeah. I I could see the argument that they might even be the third best team in the country. I I'm gonna I said last year when Cincinnati played Georgia, and you saw the talent gap of Cincinnati and Georgia. Cincinnati played their tail off, and couldn't quite get by Georgia. I think that Ohio State's better than Cincinnati is today. I think that Baylor is better than Cincinnati is today. 
I think that that Notre Dame win that Cincinnati has is somewhat inflated because it's Notre Dame. Who's Notre Dame's best one? I mean, I I would agree that Ohio State probably is better and got caught at Michigan. I don't think Michigan is the number two team in the nation. Certainly don't think that. I think if if it were set up to where Michigan was the two seed and Cincinnati was the three seed, I think. I would put my money on Cincinnati to win that game. What do you think the opening spread on that would be? On that game, like yeah. a Michigan Cincinnati hypothetical, yeah. Michigan I think Michigan. Three. I would say Michigan four and a half. Because Alabama opened at twelve. Right, and there's not. You're not going into it after what Alabama did last weekend against. Georgia thinking that there's anybody that's in the playoff that's going to beat Alabama. And Georgia is the the closest team that you would think, but judging by what Alabama did to them last week, I don't, it, it was very clear that there was bias that they're going to try and get the SEC two teams into the national championship game when Georgia clearly just by schedule, just by stats, and by the eye test, was out of those four teams should have been ranked fourth. You know, I made the mistake, and I listened. I was so I was driving into work on Saturday morning, and I was listening to I forget what show I was listening to. I believe it was out of Milwaukee. I believe they do a sports talk show about betting odds, basically, and stuff. And they said. So I forget who it was. So I, I I wish I could give them credit because it was it made me think about it. They talked. They went got on the radio and said Georgia's favored by what was it three, I believe or in that game six. They I think said six and a half. So you said you're gonna give me points. You're gonna give me the better quarterback and the better coach. And after they said that, I'm like, yeah, that does. Why would we doubt Alabama? You know what I mean? But and it's just one of those things right. that you get so like, oh, I want to see the new thing. I want to see Georgia finally break throughout the Alabama ceiling. And well, I think there's part of it you're wanting the chaos of it too. So Bama loses because we know if Bama wins, it's probably gonna be two SEC teams. You can make the argument that maybe they shouldn't be because of you know what Georgia's schedule was, but you knew that was just what was gonna happen. Especially after that first game when Oklahoma State loses and kind of opens the door for a potential Notre Dame opening to sneak in, is that if Alabama wins, you're going to end up with a pretty easy set field. But I think there's also part of it that's rooting for that chaos, like you said. And, you know, we were rooting for it, and I'm listening to the radio show, and I'm like, we're all fucking dumb. Like, we're dumb. We, why would we bet against Saban? Bryce Young's probably the best quarterback in college football right now. And I could probably say that's not really all that close. He's a freshman. I mean, he's not... You might be able to say, okay, the kid over at Old Miss or the kid up in Pitt or C.J. Stroud... We know it's not Spencer Rattler. Um, but you might be able to tell me that maybe they're better at this very second. But Bryce okay. Young, I think, is probably the best quarterback 
prospect in the nation right now. What he's going to be. Okay, I could get on board with that. Like you you might be able to say in a single game situation. Obviously, you you know, a senior quarterback is going to have a lot more experience than a freshman is, but I mean never at all never been against Alabama, I guess. Never. Never. It it, it was very clear what was going to happen. Um I hate it because I don't think that they got the seating right and I would have loved to see a Michigan Cincinnati game and Alabama against Georgia again. I don't understand are we why so that con- can't happen. Are we super convinced though that Cincinnati might not upset Bama and that Georgia might not up- or Michigan might not upset Georgia? I don't I don't think there's a chance. I don't think there's a chance of that. And I think I think if you ask me if you ask me who has the better shot of winning, I think it would be Cincinnati over Alabama than it would be Michigan over Georgia. I'm just not a believer in in Michigan and all that they bring and what they can do in, in, in a big-time game like that. I just – I mean, they haven't – I mean, they're – They've had a great season. I just don't tr- – there's the hardball factor that you just don't trust. You know, you just – I get it. I mean, that uh, – He sucks. That he Michigan, sucks as much as this. That Michigan game is going to be a brutal game to watch. What's the over-under on that? Does anyone have that up? I can get it pulled up. I'd have to imagine it's not, what, probably 45, 47 probably? Let's take a look as I slowly. So the you said the Michigan Georgia game. Yeah. Uh, the over under that is 43 and a half with Georgia being a seven and a half point favorite. <laughs> so the college football is obviously pulling for Georgia Alabama rematch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's. <laughs> Hundred and ten percent. I agree with that. That's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. There's so much SEC bias. Even if you go through it, if you go through it and you see how many SEC teams are ranked above good teams outside of the rankings, the SEC bias is unbelievable. It's but the frankly only- starts starts to make college football a little unwatchable. The only team that's been able to consistently beat an SEC team, though, is Clemson. The top tier yeah. SEC teams, anyway. Sure, but I, the other ones, I mean, we don't really care about. I, but I'm saying top tier SEC football, the only people that have consistently been able to beat the SEC is Clemson. Everyone else gets whopped by them. Like well, Ohio State. But Ohio State had to last maybe Bama was... 2014. So it's been almost eight years now. I mean, six years, seven years, seven. Well, when did, when did Urban Meyer win a championship? 2014. So was technically 15. It was a 15, 14, 15 year. That was the year that they boat raced the Badgers in the big 10 championship game and snuck into the playoff. The first year of the playoff, they okay. backed out TCU. They took a number five. 
Ohio State and jumped them to four or six. Was I think it was six to four? Dropped out TCU because they didn't. Then they at the time they said it was because they didn't have a conference championship. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Before the Big Twelve started doing that. Anyway, so with that, just the last kind of parting thoughts here. A little bit of notes and news on the Packers before we kind of wrap up. Uh, Jerry Alexander back in practice today. Uh, no expectation Dude. he could play this. He might play this week. There's kind of rumors floating around about that. Obviously yet to be seen, but he did get activated to where he could practice. The team has 21 days to actually activate him to the active roster. So his window starts today. Uh, reports that d could practice this week, as well as Darius Smith could practice this week. Um, obviously their, term, their timetables to play are going to be different, but you could see Jair Alexander this week already. Uh, Packers are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite over the Bears. I don't think we need to talk about that game a whole, whole lot more than we did earlier in the show, Rams. But 12-and-a-half points at Lambeau Field, chance to win the North. What are you thinking? I'm going to take Chicago take to cover. Bears. Chicago to cover, but think the Packers get the job done overall? Yeah, I think the Packers win. I, I would take. I, you're going to give me Chicago in the points in a rivalry game. I would Sunday night primetime TV. I certainly agree. Green Bay. I think Wisconsin, or I think Green Bay wins by ten, but not the twelve and a half. Because that twelve and right. a half is actually probably going to move up. I would guess before kick. You'll probably see that come at kick. Probably be closer to ten or nine. See, I think it's going the other way. I think people are going to bet the pack. I... Fields are starting. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess that kickoff that's going to be closer to 13. So, so get you, your bets in now if you're going to. Yeah, go down to the... Yeah, Oneida's open. Oneida. The kiosk. The kiosk of the Oneida and place your wagers. All right. Or go to Monkey Knife Fight and... No, Justin. No, play no. A game. They don't have games like that. They have fantasy Daily contests. Fantasy. I said play a game. Yeah, but the same conversation. Just It's implied. Got to clarify and straighten the record out, you, you buffoon. That's your... That's whatever. That's your <laughs> assumption. I don't do that. That's I play at Monkey Knife Fight. All right, all right. Anyway. Wild chug and raise. Raise. <laughs> Very some cream. Some... With all that said, that's the award show. We've been doing this for a year. Genuinely, thank you for everyone who's listened. If you're still listening after 52 weeks, thank you. I have to ask you why. Might but, have to go checked out or something. Too. <laughs> but thank you genuinely. Uh, for Ramsey and Justin, I'm Eric. We're signing off. Root for Wisconsin. Episode 52 is in the books. We're out. See ya. Bye. Salute.